Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. God, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And what a privilege it is to preach the gospel. What a privilege it is to be able to share the word of God. And I'm just grateful for a place that we can do this freely. That here in America we can share the word of God freely. And this morning, if you would go with me to Hebrews chapter 12, and that's where we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 12. But before I get started, I want to ask you guys, have any of you guys ever been let's say, on a hike, you make it to the very top, and you're about to go take a photo. You pull out your phone. It's a beautiful sunset. You see the sun setting, the trees, the mountains, and everything looks so beautiful. And you're like, I have to capture this moment. This is amazing. It's about to slip by. It's about to go. The sun is about to set. So you pull out your phone, right? And then you go to take a picture, and what does it say? There's no more room. There's no more room. And what happens? I start freaking out. The sun is setting. I got to hurry. So I'm going through scavenging. What photos can I delete? I got to make room so I can capture this moment. So I'm deleting photos. I'm deleting videos. I'm deleting things. And I go again to take a picture and boom, it's full. It's still full. I'm like, I just deleted all this stuff. Then I go through. I delete some apps. I delete some things. And then finally it says there's enough room. There is enough room to capture this picture. How many of you know how frustrating it can be also when you're taking a selfie with a group of friends you haven't seen in a long time? You're like, let's take a picture. And again, it's full. And today I want to talk to you about the necessity for you and me. Just like we need to make room on our phones to capture that moment, capture that image, capture that whatever picture you want to take. You and I, as believers in Christ, need to make room in our hearts. We need to make room in our lives to be able to see God moving and be active in our very own lives. Amen? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? And I'm going to do that by speaking out of Hebrews and speaking out of the book of Isaiah. And I want to show you this morning, and my prayer this morning was that you guys and us and, and me would be able to leave this parking lot and see the price that Christ paid so that he could come and occupy our lives, that he could come and literally come and possess our lives, to have all of us, have each and every one of us. And I want to share with you three things that happens when you and I make room for Jesus to come and fill our lives. Amen? Amen. So I want to pray. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for this moment, God, this opportunity to share your word, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and it would be you speaking and not me, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I pray that as your word is being preached, that you would be the one doing the work in the hearts of man. God, I pray that you would come with your power, you would come with your love. And Jesus, I pray that you would woo every heart to come after you even more, Lord God. As deep calls to deep, we want more of you today. Come and be with us. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you would read with me Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. What a powerful, powerful statement. It says, 
Therefore, since we are surrounded so great by a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is our founder and perfecter of our faith. And I want to dial in on this next statement. Listen to this, and this is so, so powerful. It says, him, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I'll say it again. For whom, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I read that statement and I was reading it this week, earlier this week, and that phrase right there stuck out so much to me. It, it leaped out of the pages and hit my heart so profoundly. It says that it was a joy that held him on the cross. It was the joy of what was coming because of his sacrifice that helped him endure the cross. So I began to ask myself, what, what is this joy? That he's talking about. The writer of Hebrews. What is the joy that Jesus had in mind. As he was enduring the punishment. The, the, the crushing of the cross. And I found the answer in God's word. In Isaiah 53. So if you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. And we're going to be starting in verse number 4. And I'm going to read this. And I, and I just pray that you, you read it along with me. And if you don't have your Bible, just, just listen very carefully to these words. It's probably my favorite chapter in all, in all the scriptures. Such a powerful chapter. And listen to this. It's in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed them as stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Isaiah the prophet, he's prophesying of the Messiah who was to come years before Jesus showed up on the scene. So he's prophesying of this coming servant who was going to suffer. And it says in verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. For upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Hmm. Wow. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to our own way. <laughs> Saying, there's nobody that's perfect. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears was silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of his people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, he was innocent and there was no deceit in his mouth. And then this is the verse that answers that question. What was that joy that was in Jesus' heart as he walked through all of this? Listen to this. 
yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for the guilt, he shall see his offspring. I'm going to read that again. For when he makes the offering of the guilt, he shall see his offspring. Meaning, while he was being crushed, he could see ahead an offspring, a people that was going to become his. And that was the joy that was set before him. For he shall prolong his days, it says, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And listen to this in verse 11. And out of anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear the iniquities of them all. Amen. What a powerful, powerful statement. That powerful prophecy of Jesus that this is. As I was reading this, <laughs> I was in tears when I was reading the scripture this, on Monday morning. I was in tears because I was just imagining Jesus walking through this crushing, walking through the Via de la Rosa, right? Carrying the cross. And, and all the insults, all the, uh, all the spitting and hitting and all the punishment that he was taking. I just imagined him looking in the eyes of the very people that was insulting him, calling for his death and crucifixion. But he looked directly in their eyes and there was a joy in his heart. Because he said, the joy that is set before me, an offspring of people that will be saved, is going to be them. He probably saw in their eyes. And he saw his prized possession, the joy that was set before him, a people that he was going to save, an offspring that was going to be his, and descendants forevermore. So what was the joy that held him on that cross? What was the joy that led him to endure such a thing? It was you. It was me. And it was him having full possession of our lives. Occupying every room of our hearts and of our minds. So this morning, my message is, let's make the room. We make room for him to come and have what he so longed for that he was found it worthy of dying on that cross. This morning, you and I, we get to give him what he paid for. And I just that idea that he, we could even move his heart and bring joy into the heart of God is so wonderful and so vast for me. That you and I could give him what he longs for. But we, you and I this morning, we need to make room for that. I just think about the moment when he was about to be born and Mary and Joseph, they were looking for a room, right? And the inn in the town, it had no room. Had no room. I wonder how many people Christ is looking around knocking on doors of so many hearts and there's no room. Does your heart say no vacancy? Or does your heart say it's open, God? You can have every room. You can have every room of my heart. You can have everything. And God paid such a high price because the joy that was set before him is that you and I 
would be able to know him deeply, have a deep relationship with him, a friendship with the Almighty God. He did such an such a incredible thing, powerful thing on the cross to reestablish what had been lost in the garden due to sin. The beautiful relationship between creator and created had been reestablished at the moment of his death and resurrection. So you and I, we see the joy that was set before him, which was us. But now I just want to appeal to you, brothers and sisters, that now the joy that is set before us is him, and fully him, to have him. You know, oftentimes I'll, I'll be on the phone, I'll be driving home from work, and I'm on my way to the house, and I call my dad, and we're just talking, we're just catching up on the day, catching up on whatever's going on in the news, or catching up about the team that we root for. And, and we're having this conversation the whole way. It's about 15 minutes to my house, and I'm driving, and I'm driving, and I'm driving, and then I pull up to the parking lot. We're still talking, and I say, oh, I'm here. I'll be right out. So I hang up. I open the door to my house. I walk in, and the conversation continues. When I get to heaven, I don't want it to feel like it's the first time that I'm talking to God when I enter into glory. It's going to be glorious. I'm going to walk in. It's going to be a new revelation of his glory and wonderful and his just beauty and awe and power of who he is. But when I walk in and I see him, I don't want it to feel like I'm talking to a stranger. When I walk in and I talk to him, just like I talk to my dad, and I enter into the house and see my father, I just continued my conversation. That's how I want it to be when I enter heaven. How about you? How about you? When you enter the gates, when you enter his glory and his presence, I don't want it to feel like, who is this guy? No, but I want it to be like, he's my father. And I already know him. And the conversation continues forevermore. But we have to make room for that, you and I. We have to make room for him to come. Just like the inn, there has to be vacancy. And if there isn't vacancy and we're filled with the things of the world or we're filled with so many other things that take preeminence in our lives, we won't have the room to enter into that kind of relationship. So church, my, my appeal is make the room. Make room for God. And let me tell you, it will change your life. I want to give you three things that happen when we make room for God. When we make room for God, number one, your perspective will totally change. Your perspective will totally change. I remember one time, actually right here at the AMC, going with a group of friends to go watch a movie. And so I was late to the movie, and they're already inside. They're all getting, the, getting all the seeds and the popcorn and everything. And I show up late, and I'm like, quickly, I need a ticket for this movie. My friends are in there. It's about to start. I buy the ticket. And then walk into the theater and then realize that the movie I bought was a 3D movie and I didn't know it was a 3D movie. So I didn't get the glasses. So I'm sitting there in the theater. I see my friends. I'm like, hey, hey, hey. I walk in and the movie starts and I'm like confused. I'm like, what's wrong with my eyes? What's going on? I was, I was like, uh-oh, this is not good. But then I realized that it was a 3D movie and I was missing the, the glasses to be able to see what was going on on the screen. For me, without the perspective, 
It all seemed random and meaningless. I could tell there was something going on in there, but it was foggy and it was a bunch of chaos. I couldn't see past it until I got the glasses and I put it on and I could see the picture. I could see what was happening. When you and I make room for God to come into our lives, it changes the way you see everything. Everything all of a sudden isn't meaningless. Let me tell you, life has a purpose. There is purpose in living. There is purpose in everyday life to know God and to be known by him. It's so wonderful. And when you begin to see that, our perspective begins to change. And let me tell you, when our perspective changes, that's where joy comes in. His presence in us making that room gives us perspective, and perspective gives us joy because we see the hand of God in every moment, in every sunrise. In every breath I breathe, the fact that I even have the breath to preach, I see his hand in that. The fact that you were able to drive and be here this morning, you who's watching online, the fact that you're alive today, I see the hand of God in your life. You begin to see, and when you see the hand of God in your life, you begin to see the joy of what a relationship with God can bring. It's the the whole idea of seeing, like Jesus here, it says, he shall see his offspring, and it brought him joy to endure in the cross. You and I, we must learn to see past things, to have the joy of the Lord. And how, how many know that the joy of the Lord is our strength to endure whatever comes our way? Christ Jesus, our perfect example, he endured the cross because he saw through the cross and he saw an empty tomb. He saw through death and darkness, and he saw resurrection and life. Jesus saw through the sin and the brokenness of humanity, and he saw salvation, redemption, eternal life. And that was why he had the perspective to carry through. Carry through and endure through the cross. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you see? What do you see? I see the Spirit of God being poured out on all flesh. I see the heavens opening up and the fire of God coming and consuming His church. I see the lost being found. I see the broken being bound. I see families being restored. I see addictions being broken. I see nations coming to the Lord. What do you see? What do you see? Do you want to see? Make room for it. Make room for it. What do you see in your life? I see the faithfulness of God. I see his goodness and mercy is chasing me every day of my life. I see a God who makes good out of every circumstance for those who love him. I see a father who so loved the world that he bankrupted heaven as he gave the prized possession, his son, for you and I, for the joy that was set before him, us, to have us. The second thing that will change when you make room for God in your life is your priorities will change. 
How many of you have read Exodus chapter 33, the moment when Moses is talking to God? It says Moses is speaking to God. It says that he had a place that he set apart to speak to him called the tent of meeting. It says in the scriptures that here in this place, Moses spoke to God like one speaks to a friend. How many want that? I want that. Moses spoke to God like one speaks to a friend. But it was in this place that God saw the sin of the people of Israel. The fact that they had forsaken their God. They had turned to idols. They had forgotten about him. And God told Moses, I promised you the promised land and I will give it to you because I'm faithful. But he told him, but I will not go with you. I will send an angel to guide you the rest of the way. And what did Moses do? When he heard these news, he's, he falls before God and says, No, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us up from here. For how will the world know we're any different than anybody else if it not be your presence with us? You see, Moses had his priorities straight. What he's pretty much saying, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with you then walk into the land of milk and honey without you. How, why did he have that type of priorities? He had, he had made room to be with God. And when you make that room and you spend more time with him, the more you realize that he's all I've ever wanted. He is all I've ever wanted. And I'm, I, can't, I have nothing without him, but with him I have everything. He is the prized possession. He is our prized possession. He becomes, he begins to become the, the number one priority on our list. To know him, to live for him, to draw near to him, to, to wake up and hear his voice, to, to walk every moment like Jesus said, I say what my father says, and I also do what my father's doing. And you and I, church, we can have that desire and that type of life that we can speak what our Father is saying and we can do what our Father is doing in this world. I just think of Psalm 84 and verse uh, 10. Uh, one of my favorite statements in the Psalms, it says, For a day in your courts, God, is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in your glory, one day in your presence is better than a thousand days anywhere else. Think, think of the best place you've ever been. Think of the, the most beautiful place you've ever been, the best experience you've ever been. I love Hershey Park. It's awesome. <laughs> I could be there all day long, every day long. <laughs> oh, that made no sense, every day long. Forevermore. I could be there for a thousand days. But let me tell you, one day in the presence of God, one moment, honestly, one, man, one minute in the manifested presence of God is better than a thousand days in Hershey Park, Disney World. It's better. It's, it's so much better. And you begin to see that, begin to develop in your heart that hunger when you make room for him. Don't make God compete for your attention. Don't make him compete right? You know, if you, go, if you go to get dinner with somebody, one-on-one, and the person's on their phone the entire time, 
how does that make you feel? You're like, I guess what it's, what's, whatever's going on in there is much more interesting than what's going on right here. Let's not make God compete for attention. He deserves it all. All of it. All of it. The last thing, and I want to invite the band to come, come up and, and be with us at the end. The last thing that happens when you and I make room for God in our lives is that it positions us to receive what God is pouring out. But we need to make room for it. If you've got a jar that's full of rocks and you pour water in it because it's full of all this soil and rocks, it can only hold very little. And it starts to overwhelm. It, it just, you can't fill it anymore. But when we begin to remove all those things from the jar and fill it up, it gives it more room to receive what God is pouring out. He's so, he's so willing, church. He is so willing. Since that he, he, he searches the earth for those who will worship in him in spirit and in truth. He's actively looking for worshipers. Actively looking for somebody who says, I am willing. I am ready. I empty my schedule and I empty my heart to receive. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there is pleasure forevermore. He's so good, church. He's so ready to receive. My question is, are you ready to receive? He's so ready to pour out. But are you ready to receive? Hmm. Let me tell you, uh, he said, uh, I will spring up rivers of living water from within you. Rivers of living water. What, what does a river do? It flows. It flows. He didn't say, I'm, I'm going to make a lake of living water. You know, a lake is still, and it, it, it just remains here. What God begins to then, when you position yourself to receive, it's not just meant to stay right here. It's meant to be a river, to flow into the lives of those around us, into your home, your family into the community. I look at these cars driving by. God loves every single one of these people. You know, that truck right there. He's the joy set before the Lord to have Him. And when we receive the forgiveness, the mercy, the life, the resurrection power, the authority, the new birth, the kingdom, the light, the salt, it's not meant to stay here. It's not meant to stay on this parking lot. But man, everywhere we go, it begins to go and flow. So my question, and I, I'm going to pray and, and then ask the, the band to lead us in, in some time uh, to be re- reflecting together. It, do I, am I making room for God this morning? You know, it's, it's awesome. We've made room for him this morning just being here. And I love it. I love seeing a people who are like, I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to receive.
but outside of this parking lot, the rest of this week, at your workplace, in your home, clear your schedule, empty the jar of all the rocks and soil, and position it underneath the waterfall to receive what God is pouring out. I want to pray for you, and then we'll go into worship, and I'll ask the teams to to come and pray if anybody needs prayer. But pray with me. Father, we thank you, God, for giving your son, Jesus. Jesus, I, I thank you that you thought it worthy for us to be back in communion, back in relationship, back in life together, that you endured the cross. And just like you said, the joy set before you was us, who have a people, a descendants, people who are born again, who are occupied by your spirit in us. Father, let it be the joy set before me now to give you everything. Every room, God. Every room is yours, Lord God. Everything is yours, Lord God. But you said that we would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you would choose and desire to live and make home inside of us. God, you don't live inside of a building. You're not trapped inside of a building, God. But you decided to make home and residence inside of the heart of every believer for the expression of Christ that they will bring to this end of the earth. So, Father, I pray for us right now, God, that that this week we would clear our schedule, we would sweep the house, and we would open the door and say, come and fill everything. Jesus, you must become my everything. And when you do, God, I believe and I pray that you would give us your perspective to endure. Give us our new priorities for your kingdom. And let us position ourselves to pour out into our our communities, our lives, and everywhere, God. We love you, Jesus, in your precious, holy name. Jesus, we thank you. Amen. God bless you.